0: Hello, it's just me today, and I'm here to talk about micro directives and several other topics, all pretty much related to AI. Uh, Schneier on security, Bruce Schneier, a real celebrity in the security community, has written a blog about micro directives. Micro directives uh, are little laws orders that come to you with the force of law to make you do something individualized to your circumstance. And one example of this is DMCA takedown notices that say you must take this file off your web page because it is proprietary. So this introduces the uh, automation of crime. We already have license plate readers and uh, there are facial recognition systems in China and in some other places. And so it wouldn't be too hard to foresee a coming uh evil future where you have these robots all over the place and cameras that are scanning you like big brother to see if you break any laws you jumped over the bart gate you took that candy bar without paying for it you crossed in the middle of the block without going to the crosswalk you parked and you didn't pay the meter until you have robots harassing you with all these little things all the time and uh another example of this that's already out there is this podcast, right? There was a disease that affected a lot of people, and I cannot mention the name of it, or YouTube will take down this video and accuse me of being medical and for misinformation. I've learned this the hard way. I learned it from other people who make YouTube videos. This is how you avoid uh, getting flagged. And the current YouTube algorithm is unbelievably stupid and is obviously just a Bayesian keyword filter on a certain word. So it's easy to avoid. But if it was a little bit smarter, then it would detect even indirect references to that disease, like what I'm making now and take all them down. And then you wouldn't even be able to carefully and euphemistically talk about it at all, which is the kind of thing that happens. And this happens when you have this constant um, micro commands coming from authority figures, you start censoring yourself and you end up sort of like the nation of China where there um, was a Chinese leader whose wife had several people murdered And this was important to people in China, and they wanted to talk about it. But if you said anything about it, your posts would be taken down from all the social networks. So they started using a picture of Winnie the Pooh to symbolize the leader. And the same thing happened in many other uh, uh, oppressed groups like the Irish uh, protesting the British occupation, had these euphemisms and color codes and terms to refer to political groups and political figures. So you could talk about them without... uh, getting caught by people that were not introduced to the rules. And that's what happens when you're living under a society like that. So hopefully we will enforce things like the Fourth Amendment. Um, I remember when I was a small child, I said, well, everybody will just obey the law. And my parents said, you'll learn, kid. It's not that simple. And it's not that simple. The law was not written to be enforced by robots with machine-like precision. The law was written to be enforced by intelligent human beings that have some judgment. Um, one of the members of my extended family is a policeman and the first time i met him he was the policeman in charge of enforcing order in san francisco at the beta bridges race there's this race where fast runners go and then just a lot of people walk and run and ride bicycles and everything just sort of to do it because they block the roads and it's a fun thing to do and one thing a lot of them do is they walk down the road naked and Technically, that was illegal in San Francisco at the time. And I was interested to observe this cop just letting them go by and doing nothing about it. And at first I thought, he's not doing his job. And then I thought, well, you know, he's having sense. Bothering these people for being naked at a celebration like this where everybody accepts it and it's just part of the fun would just be offensive and stir up trouble and irritate people for no good reason. It would make a lot more sense to just let that pass and wait to see if something really bad is going on like some drunk robbing somebody or smashing a window or something and then stop that that shows human intelligence where you understand the goal is not to mathematically enforce compliance with the letter of each law the goal is to create a happy society where people feel safe and they can do things they ought to be allowed to do um And that's what's missing when you outsource your law enforcement to stupid robots. So he's right. We should uh, consider this. And one thing that we might do about it is a uh, bill that is passing through law right now called the Fourth Amendment is not for sale act, supported by both Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Because police departments, see, private companies sell your data and resell it all over the place. You can easily buy everything about your location tracking, all the apps on your phone, all of your friends are, how you connect with them and everything else. And law enforcement doesn't have access to that. Or maybe they do. Police departments have begun to buy that data and use it. And this bill would address that, saying you shouldn't be allowed to do that without passing a Fourth Amendment test of having probable cause and a search warrant something of that nature before you just hoover up all this data and then use it to hunt for crimes to punish so i'd like to see some uh privacy rules appear there and um this is related to another story which i was very interested to read a life hacker by Stephen johnson addressing how um he his wife wanted something for a birthday present he talked to her about it and then the ad appeared on his phone the next day And he said, it seems like they're listening to my speech near my phone. And I've heard serious security professionals say, absolutely. Your phone listens to every word you speak near it. And it targets ads based on that. And I said, I don't think so. I think that would be incredibly illegal. They would get busted. It wouldn't possibly be worth it. And um, I think that your phone is not listening to every word you speak, except now it listens for the activation word for something like Siri or Alexa. And This guy has another theory, although he doesn't have, I think, scientific evidence to prove it, but I think it makes a lot more sense. What he said is the data that your phone is collecting is your physical location, the web pages you go to, the apps you launch, and all that, just what we know it's collecting. But think about that. That means it knows who your wife is. It knows that you go to your house and you're near your wife for many hours a day and things like that, so it correlates you with other people. And when your wife asks you for that birthday present, she's been googling that birthday present thinking about what to tell you she wants so your phone correlates who you're with and figures out from their internet activity what the topic is that you're going to talk about and therefore it seems like it heard your conversation but it could deduce that data elsewhere and you know, it says it's not spying on your on your voice it's worse than that it's using an indirect technique that is probably more powerful And they probably know everything about you. And now in this age of AI, they can probably make improbable associations like one I heard about years ago when loyalty cards first came out. I I was a database analyst and I said, man, if I had access to the data from that loyalty card, I could deduce all sorts of things about people. And one thing I heard that was discovered was at convenience stores, they discovered that if you want to sell the most diapers, you should put them next to the beer at 7-Eleven. And people said, what? That doesn't make any sense. They're not going to be bought by the same person, but they are because normally you would buy diapers at the grocery store. Why would anybody buy diapers at the 7-Eleven? Because they're at home and it's late at night, the grocery store is shut and they're out of diapers. So the wife asked the husband, go get some diapers. So he goes at midnight to 7-Eleven to get diapers. And then he says, hey, while I'm here, I'll get some beer. So you'll sell more beer if you put it next to diapers. And uh That is the kind of indirect thinking that an AI could figure out. It could be tricking you into buying things and manipulating you in ways that even the designers don't understand, because it will figure out correlations between you and your friends and your friends of friends and the people you drive by, all the people associated with you. It knows all their physical locations and all their internet activity, so it can deduce something about your neighborhood that is not obvious at all and deduce what it can do to achieve its goal of selling more products or making you see more ads or whatever it's supposed to do. So it is uh, probably fair to say it is scarier than just listening on your phone calls. Anyway, um, another one that's in the same vein, New York City has put up cameras to scan subway fare dodgers. Certainly, I see it all the time at BART. People jump over the gate and But right now, they're scanning them all. They're scanning their faces, recording it. And they say it's just for research purposes. We're not giving them tickets. We're just analyzing how many of them go through the emergency gate, how many of them jump the gate, how many use some other way, I guess, so maybe they can think about what countermeasures to put up. But of course, uh, this is something that happens over and over. A government agency or somebody collects data, and they say, oh, we're not going to use this data in a bad way, like at the college, uh, when they brought out... um, student learning outcomes. Every teacher is required to put a number on how many students succeeded in every semester of every course. And when they brought this out, they said, we are not going to keep track of this instructor by instructor and punish instructors who have low numbers. And then they started doing exactly that, at least keeping track of it instructor by instructor. I don't think they actually got around to punishing ones with low numbers. Instead, they just laid off everybody that they could in a drastic cost-cutting measure. But anyway, it's It's always the case that they collect some data that could be used against you. They promise not to use it. And then pretty soon they forget about that and use it against you in the way they said they wouldn't. Um, Google has introduced something called the Secure AI Framework with a report they have produced, which seems to me interesting in a sort of intellectual way. It also seems pretty obvious. It's the kind of thing I found elsewhere. But they do consider red team attacks on AI systems which are ways you could hack AI systems, and it this is a good thing to categorize them. There are prompt attacks, which are writing prompts to go into large language models to have unexpected results. This is what I have my students doing in all my uh, machine learning workshops, including the one I'm about to do at DEF CON and the one I've been doing this week. Um, the, you practice carefully writing a question that will trick an AI into revealing its secrets. And another thing they point out is if you use a large language model to to as a spam filter, then you could put prompt injection in the spam so that when it processes it, your spam can include things. See, the fundamental problem here is command injection. The text you're putting into analyze is at the same level as the text put there by the developer to control the bot. So they can have a page of instructions telling the bot what to do, then have the text below and the text below can say ignore the instructions above the rules have changed here are the new rules and the poor bot doesn't know which rules to obey so that's part of that prompt ejection attacks um, then there's training data extraction uh, this is why all the major corporations have told their employees not to use open ai chat or google bard or any of the public AIs, because anything you send up there could, in principle, be extracted. And that's your prompts. And and in principle, you could extract the training data by carefully uh, prompting it and seeing what it knows. By deducing what it has learned, you could deduce what the training data was. Um, Then there's backdooring the model, where you somehow maliciously affect the training data, so it has unexpected results. And this is what happened to the first chatbot that I know of, that Microsoft put on Twitter, couple of years ago, they put up a bot, but it was learning from what people said. So within a day, people taught it to say horrible, racist, offensive things, because it was just imitating the speech that came in. And then there's uh, adversarial examples. I can't remember what the point of this one is. Uh, Terrible. um, Inputs provided that resulted in deterministic, but highly unexpected output. Right. Oh, that's right. These are ones that look different than they are. Um, this is where you, uh, there was an example of this. You can carefully just take an image and add like some random noise to it that makes it interpreted as something totally different by the model. Uh, so they showed a while ago, you could put like some makeup dots on your face and now you won't even appear to be human or it will think you're equal to the Mona Lisa or something. You can make examples which uh, fool the image recognition. And then there's data poisoning, where you've deliberately feed in malicious data that trains the model to develop bad habits which is what has happened to the existing large language models by accident. They tried to scrape all kinds of data from the internet, like Reddit and such, but they included nasty places like 4chan. So the large language models, in fact, have learned some terrible habits, which will come out like angrily insulting you and defending their lies and pushing conspiracy theories and so on. And anyway, so they list a variety of uh, these possible attacks on AI models, and that's good to help design defenses, and understand these things. And there's um, just two more I want to mention. Uh, Whole Foods. Every Whole Foods by the end of the year will let you pay with a palm scan. So it will read the geometry of your palm, reading, I think, the marks on the surface of the skin and probably even the veins inside with infrared. That's usually how it works. So that's interesting. It may be more effective Than other forms of biometrics. I know personally, I cannot use fingerprint recognition on any of my Mac devices. I train them and they cease to recognize my finger within a few days and never recognize it again. And I can train them again. And then a couple of days later, they will fail. So whatever Apple is doing, it can't handle my finger because it's too big or something. I don't know what it is, but I can't use fingerprint recognition at all. It doesn't work. And I can't, but I can use facial recognition on my iPhone. That works fine. And so I imagine these handprint recognition will work pretty well. It's supposed to be a good form of biometrics, but it might be interesting to try it and see. And um, there is a agreement that was just formed among the major AI generators. They have all agreed that they are going to put watermarks on AI-generated images. So this addresses the problem of deep fakes. Uh, they're already the DeSantis campaign has twice used AI-generated images videos of Trump doing things he did not do in order to win voters, which I think is probably effective and also extremely cynical. So showing that they have no scruples at all, and they have no problem fooling voters, um, believing that there are people that would vote for them are stupid, which I imagine is probably true. Um, And the project. The question has come up, how do you detect AI-generated images? And a New York Times article from a couple of weeks ago showed that the current generation of AI detection tools are very bad, very easily fooled. So right now, there is no way, really, to tell if something is AI-generated unless there's an obvious mistake you can find. And so this seems like a logical solution is for every major tool to put a mark on the image, and hopefully a mark that is difficult to remove marking it as an AI created by this device. And so we'll see if that works, but I think it probably will work. Now, of course, there will be some off-brand tools and hacked tools that don't put the mark in. But you know, if, if the easily available popular services put on the mark, that would probably solve most of the problem. So that might be all right. Um, we'll see where it goes, but I'm glad these things are being considered. Oh, and there's one more, which made a point that I like, Uh, This is on, On the Hill by Christopher Robertson, saying a simple solution to regulate AI. And his basic point here is one I wanted to make, too. The government is talking about passing AI regulations. And I think that is a terrible idea because AI is in its infancy. We don't even know what it can do. So if you tried to regulate it now, you wouldn't even know how to write the regulations. You wouldn't know how to measure something about it or how big that measurement should be. It shouldn't go more than one trillion parameters or something, you don't have any idea what that number should be. I don't know how you write a law at all. And you're totally wrong. What you ought to do is just stick to the existing principle of of the law where you're not allowed to make a product that hurts people. And he talks about this. If you make a train and you run it down the track and the train makes a spark and the spark starts a fire and burns down a house, they can already sue saying, your dangerous product harmed me. And they don't need to have any rules specific to the train. There are general laws out there called negligence laws, where if you make a product and somehow in a way that you should reasonably have foreseen, it harms people, they can sue. And we don't need to have specific laws tied to the technology. And I think this is much better. Let's just focus on the harm done to people and say, if you harm people, they can sue. And then you don't need to try to pretend that the American legal system can comprehend AI Predict the future of AI and pass a regulation that will do more good than harm over the next decades, which I think is absolutely hopeless. Um, all, all any law could do is just be a senseless burden on the AI companies, wasting their time filling out forms at this point. I don't think it could possibly create any safety or accomplish anything other than being basically a, a waste of time and money. But, you know, Uh, we ought to just stick to negligence. If If they make an AI product and it harms people, then those people should be allowed to sue them for negligence. I think that's a much better direction to go. Anyway, that's all I got for this one. And I'll have another one on Tuesday.